Welcome to episode 13 of Back in the Grind. Today we're jumping into some listener feedback. The main topic we discuss is procrastination. It can be a mild inconvenience or it can be completely debilitating. I think back to when I was incarcerated and my friend Pat offered to make me a website and put a blog on there for me and said, if I just write whatever I want and send it to him, he'll put it up on the blog. And a couple weeks went by in prison when I first got there and I didn't write anything. And then a couple of months went by and I still didn't write anything. And I felt really bad. So I'd say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to write. But then I'd wake up and I'd think, well, it's been months already. I let down Pat. And what if I write and people don't like it? What if I write and people ignore it? And it just made me not want to do anything at all. And I got stuck in this loop where every morning I would say those things to myself. And it would just create a lot more fear around the thing I had to do. It would create so much worry and pressure. I just wouldn't do it. And that happened every morning for over a year while I sat in prison. It took me almost a year and a half to write on a piece of paper and send it away to my friend to put it up on the blog before I actually did it. That's how devastating procrastination can be. It can literally take a year and a half of your life and you can be worried every day just thinking about the thing you're supposed to do. But thankfully there's ways to move through it. I'm happy to say I've done a lot of work and now procrastination, it's still something I deal with but it's not at all what it used to be. It doesn't take me a year and a half to do the things I want to do. So in this episode, we'll share some of the tips and tactics that helped us move through procrastination. We also talk about getting to the root of why we procrastinate, which I think is really the key to that issue. And we dive into a couple other questions as well. So enjoy this episode as we bring you closer to our lives and how we deal with procrastination. Hey, Pepe, how are you today? I'm doing good, Will. Good to hear. I know some people reached out wondering what happened the first of this month since we didn't have an episode. Do you want to just say a few words about what went on and our plans? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, we try to do an episode on the 1st and 15th every month, and we didn't on the 1st. We had some folks scheduled to be on, and unfortunately, Several times we tried to do the interview and events came up and got in the way on their end. We spoke and they're down to do the podcast again. Uh, There are folks who had been asked to be on this podcast by other people. So I'm really glad that they're going to come back on and do it. I'm not exactly sure when they are, but they are committed to making it happen. And we have some really valuable and important things to talk about in this conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. But in order to make up for not having an episode on the first of this month, we are going to play, uh, I don't know if we're going to do all, but we're definitely going to do part of our Patreon episode this month. We're going to make that available to all the listeners to kind of make up for the lack of an episode on the first. Sounds like a good plan. Thanks, Pepe. So today we are planning on diving into some listener feedback and listener questions. This is something we've been wanting to do for a while, and we're excited to dig into some of these great topics. Yeah, perhaps we procrastinated a little bit on this. Which is appropriate, because the first question is about procrastination. 
what helps you deal with procrastination when you're trying to make changes that are good for you and the people around you. And this is from Lindsay. So, Pepe, you and I have talked about procrastination a little bit in the past. Where are you at with it now? I struggled with procrastination a lot. It was actually not something I struggled with for a very long time. Actually, until I got out of prison, I never really felt like I had a problem with procrastination. And once I was released, I struggled dramatically with it. I'm glad Lindsay reached out and asked for information and help on this. Cheers to Lindsay, because the fact that you're reaching out and even asking this question means that you did enough work in your life and you created enough stability in your life to even begin to think about this. So cheers to you for that. So Pepe, what is procrastination to you? You know, I want to make clear because people often make judgments about other people who are procrastinating. They might say something like, well, they're just being lazy or they have poor time management which actually I don't like that term very much. But wherever you have self-doubt, that's where you procrastinate. You know, it's not about being lazy. It's not about poor time management. It really comes down to self-doubt. And that's a very common way of dealing with things that feel unfamiliar or hard or scary in some way. And that's very human. And it can be a mild inconvenience or on the extreme, it can be truly debilitating, which it was for me at times. I can definitely relate to the self-doubt aspect of procrastination. I think you're right on. And I think you're also right on with it not being about laziness. From everything I know about procrastination, it's a problem of emotional regulation or emotional dysregulation. I definitely see how self-doubt can be wrapped up with that. So Pepe, what does procrastination look like in your life and what steps have you taken to address it? Procrastination got pretty extreme for me. And what I'm talking about is a type of procrastination that can really erode your sense or it did erode my sense of myself and my sense of self-respect. For me, it started with avoiding stuff that I didn't want to do. And then it just became a fixed habit of avoiding tasks that can feel big or scary. And that fear reinforces so much worry and pressure. Like I would just have these thoughts, well, what if I can't do it? What if I do it bad? What if I fail? You know, what if other people judge me? What if they ignore me? And all these thoughts created this sense of stuckness. And that sense of stuckness can have a really deep pain around it. It feels like procrastination gets cemented into your way of being. Like it becomes a part of your identity almost. It's really exhausting and demoralizing to live in that state. But thankfully, I've definitely had some tools and some strategies that help me move beyond that. And I, I still deal with procrastination, but not to that level. So I'm actually looking forward to helping Lindsay and, and others with moving through and beyond this. Before I went to prison, I took schooling and got certified in cognitive behavioral therapy. And that offered a lot of practical steps to use in the moment during procrastination. But I'm also really excited to help share ideas and thoughts about getting to the root of procrastination, to knowing why we procrastinate, because it's that knowledge combined with some of the skills that I've learned that'll really help people move beyond procrastination as a whole. Procrastination, you know, we tend to think of it as like 
an identity and it's not it's it's a a loop a cycle of behavior and i think it's important to realize that and and our self-talk really comes into play here we could sit there all day and tell ourselves we're a procrastinator and we're not good at doing things and that we have a problem with procrastination you know it's a part of who we are but it's just a bad habit that we learned it's not an actual part of who you are it's it's a procrastination loop that we are stuck in yeah that sounds like a really helpful mindset to remember how would you describe the procrastination loop like what what is it it happens so quickly that we often don't realize it but first we think about a task then we feel discomfort and then we create a rationalization to remove the discomfort and then we search for a different task to do to feel relief and like i said it all happens so quickly and it provides this sense of relief and our brain learns to look at it as an effective strat- a strategy for avoiding discomfort. So our brain begins to repeat the loop to help us feel safe and comfortable. And in like a weird sort of way, it's actually an act of compassion. Like your brain is trying to keep you safe and comfortable. And that's why it repeats the loop. Wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't ever really thought about it that way of your brain trying to protect you and keep you safe and comfortable. But it actually makes a lot of sense. Something that helped me was when I heard someone describe three different ways of going about a task, like writing a paper for school. There's the kind of person who, and I don't understand this, uh, is able to plan very far in advance and do a little bit each day uh, working up until the, the final deadline. Then there is the procrastinator. Not that it's their identity, but they're procrastinating, who might put it off and put it off and put it off and feel just terrible the whole time they're putting it off. And they're switching to these other tasks and they're thinking, oh, I should be doing the task I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm stuck doing these other ones. But then a third option that you don't really hear about very often, but that I've come to embrace is the sprinter, someone who knows that they work best on a deadline or they work best under pressure. That's when they're able to get motivated. And so they intentionally say to themselves, I'm not going to start yet. I'm going to put it off, but I'm putting it off intentionally. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to spend my time doing other things. And then when the time comes and I have just enough time to complete the task before the deadline, I'm going to sprint and get it all done, even if it's the last last minute. I've actually timed it out to where I can complete it. So that was an interesting understanding for me to realize I know my habit to put things off, but how could I shift to a sprinter where I'm not beating myself up for not starting the task yet? Mm. Well, I've certainly partaken in the sprinting. You know, I've done it with this podcast. Like we've had episodes recorded for weeks and they just needed an intro that I had to send over to you. And it's like the night before the podcast has to be released and I'm sending it to you that night. You know what? In a sense that can help me, right? I'll get it done. I know, okay, I'm going to sprint and do it now. But I guess the other issue is, well, I'm waiting to the last minute, especially if it's affecting you, you know, I'm I'm putting something on you, then you have less time to deal with it. And it it does affect other people. So like the sprinting thing, I like that idea. 
I think we have to be careful to make sure if it's going to affect other people around us to do it at the last minute, then maybe we shouldn't. So I think that's interesting. So I, I realized listening to you say that it's something that I have done plenty, in, including with this podcast. In those moments too, though, sometimes <laughs> it'll be the last minute, right? I got to get this intro to a podcast over to you with literally three hours to go. And there's times where we put out the podcast at 7 a.m. in the morning and you're sending me the final edit at, at 6 a.m. And I'm struggling to get it to you even in that last moment. One thing that has helped me, sometimes I just need somebody there with me to accomplish the task. And I'll have Lee sit behind me while I'm talking into the mic. And she doesn't you know, have to say anything. She doesn't do anything. I just, I just want her to sit there. Usually she's crocheting over there in the corner. And it's just comforting to me to have somebody in the room when I'm doing this. And it's funny because I know Lindsay in the email they sent mentioned that even their girlfriend pointed out they were procrastinating on the act of sending us the question. So like, if you have you know, a girlfriend that can help you, maybe they can just be there with you. Just ask them if, if that helps, they can be there with you when you have to work on the thing that you're procrastinating about. Two things, the, the sprinting and then having someone be present are two tasks that can help in the moment of procrastination. One of the things that I've been doing which I've noticed has helped me quite a bit with, with procrastination and just feeling more focused in general throughout the day. I try to wake up early and as soon as I can, I get outside, go on a walk, and then I run enough to get my heartbeat up. I think that exercise at the beginning of the day helps me. But then also when I get back, I take a cold shower, which really wakes me up, refreshes me, it helps me stay focused throughout the day. It's inter interesting how it works. I don't understand all the science behind it, but it has to do with dropping your dopamine during the cold shower so that it rises up to a steady level. Dopamine is very apparently very tied to motivation, uh, which I, I think is pretty interesting. What doesn't help me is, is just scrolling on my phone because uh, then I just get really stuck. Another thing that helps me with procrastination is just understanding motivation itself and intrinsic motivation. There's this book called Drive by Daniel Pink where he talks about three components of motivation, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And if you have autonomy in the way you want to complete a task, if the task has a, has a clear purpose, then that helps a lot. And then if there's some sort of mastery, you're getting better at something, you're working towards increasing your skills and something, all those three things can really help with motivation. If I ever find myself feeling unmotivated, I'll kind of check in with myself about those three things. Ask myself, is there anything I can do to incorporate as many of those things as I can to help me feel more motivated? Those are, those are a few of my thoughts on, on procrastination and, and getting out of it. And I like the getting up early. That's something I do. Uh, it used to be very difficult for me as well. I get up at five every morning and now I'm actually considering getting up at 4.30 every morning. But, you know, in regards to that, I used to actually just procrastinate about getting out of bed, right? I would wake up and not get out of bed. And I had a, a couple of things that actually helped me with that. I kept my cell phone away from the bed. That's what I used for my alarm. So it made me get out of bed to turn it off. So that was really helpful. But now I try not to even keep my cell phone in the room at all anymore. But the other thing was, I, I forget who told me this. A friend of mine had suggested this 
countdown. And I thought it was really corny, but I gave it a try to help me get out of bed. And I kind of added my own twist to it because I wanted to get the most out of it I could. But he basically said, you just count down five, four, three, two, one, and then do the thing you're supposed to do. And for me, that was get out of bed. So I wanted to make sure it would work for me. So before like, I did it on the hard thing of like actually getting out of bed, the thing I was procrastinating on, I would count down in other areas of something like I knew I was going to do. So like when I went to go brush my teeth, I would say five, four, three, two, one, and then just brush my teeth. Or when I went to eat, you know, some yogurt and fruit in the morning, I'd say five, four, three, two, one, and go eat. And the reason I added that extra step was the things that I didn't struggle doing. I wanted my brain to like adjust to the idea of when you hit one, you do the thing. So I was making sure I did it with easy things. So that way, you know, after a couple of weeks of doing it with easy things, when I went to do it to get out of bed, five, four, three, two, one, it worked. Uh, I don't know where my friend got it from, but it worked. And I do it with other things. Like I work out in the morning and sometimes I'm just like standing there looking at this pull-up bar and I don't want to get started. But now my brain has learned when I get down to five, four, three, two, one, I just go and I do it. And what I understand about it, I guess it takes about five seconds for us to rationalize away doing the thing we're supposed to do. So if you spend those five seconds counting down, it doesn't give your brain the opportunity to come up with a a rationalization to avoid doing the thing. It definitely helps. That sounds like a great trick. I might have to try that myself. Yeah, the other thing that works for me is having an accountability partner. And this is different than having like someone sit in a room. It works better for me if it's like not my partner, not my wife. That's my accountability partner on certain things. So I usually I'll have like a friend or somebody that I'll I'll tell that I'm doing something, or perhaps we'll both like set up a particular date to accomplish a certain thing and we kind of go touch base back and forth with each other to make sure that we're we're staying on task. One other thing I got, and this made me laugh because we did a whole episode on fear and I shared my corny acronym on fear, um, which was false evidence appearing real. So when I was looking into procrastination, going over experiences from my past and and reading up a little more about it for this episode, I, I came across something that explained the four reasons that we generally procrastinate. There's the fear of failure. There's the fear of expectations. They could be your own or others. There's the fear of lack of ability and there's the fear of regret. And it just made me laugh because I, when I was looking at those, I was like, oh, failure, F, expectations, E, ability or lack of ability, A, and regret, R. And I'm like, oh, here's another corny acronym for fear. You know, maybe I can like in- incorporate as many corny acronyms for fear into this podcast as possible. This is this is actually really important though. So like we kind of shared some hacks to kind of get over procrastination in a moment. But those are just things to help you push through momentarily pretty much. I think everything we talked about, none of it gets to the root of why we're procrastinating. The root of why we procrastinate, it's one of those four examples. So it's it's either fear of failure, fear of expectations, fear of lackability, or fear of regret. And you know, Lindsay or anyone listening, the important thing here is you need to understand what you're afraid of. The self-doubt is the cornerstone of your procrastination. You know, this might take you to places that are really surprising, right? Like for me, I I got out of prison and you know, I wanted to start the podcast. I wanted to start the coffee company. 
and I had all this fear around these things. And I've started plenty of projects in the past. When I started the Factory House, which I talked about on here, a reporter who was like an independent reporter came out and he said, oh, he's like, I know you're the type of guy that gets things done. And I, I thought that was interesting, but you know, and he said that back then. And then even just recently when I went out to this wedding in California and I met a kid from back in that time period and he referred to me, he was introducing me to someone and he said, you know, Pepe, he's this uh, anarchist mover and shaker on the East Coast. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, these people had looked at me as somebody who gets things done. But after release from prison, I didn't feel that. I had this fear of all these things. And why was I afraid to start the podcast? You know, why was I afraid to attempt to start this coffee roasting company when I've started plenty of crazier projects in the past? It kind of came down to this fear of failure. You know, I went back to this trying to understand like the feeling, the self-doubt I had. What is it coming from? And I sat and I thought about it, like when I'm actually procrastinating, right? I'm going to do something for the podcast or I'm going to do something for the coffee company. And I, I just don't. It's hard. But in that moment, if you could sit with it and try and go back to the feeling, and for me, it's the fear of failure and why. And it brought me way back when I was 17. I dropped out of high school and the counselor at the school said to me, well, you're never going to succeed if you drop out of school. And at the time, I could care less. I went, hopped some trains, lived in a laundromat, you know, I, and I did a bunch of stuff. And it, it really didn't bother me. And it, other people in my life had said, well, you need to go to college. You need to go to college if you're going to be successful. I heard that repeatedly. And it was people that cared about me, you know, who were saying that. They were saying it in this helpful way. But the, the repeated thing was, well, you need to be successful, then you have to go to college. And it's like, well, I didn't even graduate high school. So then I go to prison and I got my GED years later you know, after I dropped out, but going to prison, like I certainly failed there, right? Like despite what you think of the prison system, I failed in the sense that, you know, as a father, as a partner to my wife, I let them down um, because I was removed from their life. Right. And that's not something that I wanted to happen. And it kind of brought me back to this sense that like I was a failure and adding the the stuff from my past about like dropping out of school connected with the fact that I went to prison. It just was like, okay, now it's true. Like I'm a failure at this point. You know, when I'm procrastinating, when I have to record an intro to the podcast, these feelings arise in me and I get so uncomfortable. I had no idea it was because I thought I was a failure based on these things that happened to me, you know, years ago and somewhat more recently with incarceration. I never put that together. Like, you know, and I was procrastinating because of that fear of failure. So I think it's really important if we can get to the root of what is behind the fear of your procrastination, and then you could begin to kind of break that apart and kind of demystify, you know, what it is. And it becomes less, less scary. Lindsay is a Patreon subscriber of ours. I actually have a specific strategy I use to help figure out what it was that was uh, causing my procrastination. And I'll share that with Lindsay and our other Patreon subscribers to help kind of move through some of that stuff. You know, you could really move on past procrastination. I do not procrastinate like I used to, not at all. And you can actually be a person who starts to get something done. Procrastination is not a problem with you. It's a loop. It's a procrastination loop that you are stuck in. And there's tools and tactics to help you move through it. And you could figure out what's causing that loop to go on. Great insights, Pepe. Getting to the root can be pretty transformative. 
for something like this. But it's not not an easy task. But also kudos to you for that self-introspection and reflection. Yeah, I think, like I said, anyone who's trying to move through procrastination and beyond it, that is a key element to doing it, to doing that self-introspection. That fear is always going to come up. I mean, that's what procrastination is all about. You're trying to avoid feeling uncomfortable and you're just doing other things instead of the thing that's making you uncomfortable. But we need to know why we feel uncomfortable. I think doing things like exercising or, or taking a cold shower or things that are sort of intentionally uncomfortable and leaning into feeling uncomfortable is another way to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And like, oh, well, if I subjected myself to a cold shower, I can subject myself to this task. Yeah, the cold shower is great. Before I was going to prison, uh, I started doing that because I was just struggling in the mornings when I was fighting my case and the cold shower absolutely helped me. I used to do what I called end it cold. So I would like take a regular shower and then like I'd work my way up, you know, all right, I'm just going to do it for five seconds cold. And then next time, 10 seconds and 30 seconds until I started taking an entire cold shower. You do work your way up and begin to realize you could do things that are uncomfortable. That reminds me too, man, when I take a cold shower, like a lot of it was about breathing. Like, I don't know how that was for you, but I had to like concentrate on my breathing. Speaking of breathing and kind of off topic, but it made me think of, I know he spoke to you about this and me as well. Michael from Michael uh, Jump Shot Touchdown Pass. I know he was like all about breathing. We should get him on the podcast and do an episode about, about that actually. I think it would be pretty interesting. I had some unique experiences with breathing when I was locked up too, actually. Should we uh, move on to the next question? This is from Dan. You know, Dan had some nice things to say. I'll read this whole or most of what he wrote. I first and foremost just want to thank you all for starting this podcast. I really liked the second episode about fear and found myself hanging on to what Scott was saying about confronting procrastination and talking themselves down from the ledge of irrationality. I started my morning listening to this show while I was in traffic jam, and then nine hours later, when I was leaving the factory, I was still thinking about the podcast and what my responses to fear were. Thank you for your introspection that you gave me by proxy. Please make more. I love hearing both of your voices. That's interesting to me. Before we get to his question, have anyone said this to you? I've heard it like seven times now through emails and in person that people like our voices which I find like maybe it's not fascinating to you because you sing and you're a singer. For me, I kind of always disliked my voice, at least for a while. But people have been saying that like a lot. Did you get that at all? I've heard that too. Yeah, at least a few people have commented on, on liking our voices. I'm glad that they do. It's funny to me. Like I said, I always was questioning my voice. Okay, so back to Dan. Dan says, as for questions, and it's a two-parter, what are some creative pursuits you have that are not music related. What do you got for Dan? I'd say my biggest one is is improv. And while I do also incorporate music into that, I also do non-musical improv, like theatrical co- improv comedy. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. I, I have a theater background and was in plays every year for years and uh, was a theater teacher and director for about four years. So I, I've always really loved theater and especially improvisation. So I think that's that's kind of the biggest one I have. I like to occasionally draw or write um, fiction or nonfiction or 
you know, I have a handful of poems, um, wrote like half a novel one time, but I'd say the main one for me is, is theater and improv. Nice. Yeah. Writing, you mentioned writing. That's something I started doing in prison. Um, I had a blog when I was in there and I started doing a bunch of writing and I'm, I'm working on that again. Currently, uh, I started doing a little more and I'm excited about that. So writing is certainly a creative thing for me that I enjoy. Uh, I've been asked by several people since I've been out to write a book and I'm actually considering it. I don't know. I think I'm going to put out a zine of like prison writings. I have a bunch that never got published or released and then eventually kind of work on a book. So I'm looking forward to doing that as a creative project. The other thing, I guess there's two other things for me and they're kind of similar. One, I often do, I guess, alone usually, and that's roasting coffee. I love roasting coffee. Um, and it is a very creative process. There's a lot of steps to it. I'm not going to get into it here and now. Yeah, I find a lot of like solace and peace when I'm standing next to this coffee roasting machine and like taking these green coffee beans and kind of transmuting them into something else. And then I guess the other thing that's similar is I enjoy cooking food. You know, I love having friends over and family over and just having a meal that I, I cooked for people. I think there's something really special about just sitting down around a table and sharing food that's been being cooked by someone you care about. Those are great things. I would definitely love to to read a, a book you write, and I, ho- I hope that you do that. I think I got a couple of things that I want to finish first, but maybe I'll set that as a goal. Maybe I'll, I know I'm going to procrastinate some with it. I know for sure. And maybe it's like I'll actually be able to kind of work through that. Maybe we'll do something on the podcast about like, literally moving through procrastination like in the moments while try- attempting to do a project like that. So second part of Dan's question. Also, is there anything you do to unwind that isn't necessarily creative? I personally like to do graffiti and play guitar, but with working long hours, I struggle to find balance between my creativity, relaxation, and making time for people I love. I would love to hear your thoughts and advice. Anything you do to unwind well that isn't necessarily creative? I love to play Zelda on Nintendo Switch. Got into Breath of the Wild last year and and now playing Tears of the Kingdom. I don't have a lot of time to do that these days now that I'm back in in graduate school. Um, Sometimes watching shows with Cecilia. Sometimes playing playing, Zelda. board games on my iPad. I've downloaded a lot of like board game apps on my iPad. I'm a huge board game person. So sometimes I'll, I'll play, especially this game Wingspan, uh, where you build your own bird sanctuary. It has very relaxing music, and it's just kind of a very meditative strategy game that I enjoy winding down with. Reading, too. Reading is, is something I do before bed. How about you, Pepe? Music is definitely something for me. I've mentioned before, like my favorite style of music is rock steady. I made a playlist. I'll share it on the, in the episode notes. I made a Spotify playlist because a lot of times people are like, what's rock steady? So if people want to check it out, they can look in the show notes. But rock steady is a very like soothing music. Actually, I was surprised that they had rock steady in prison. People would often in prison ask me like what I'm listening to and I'd play it for them. Um, and I remember this one guy who's a good friend of mine, but he, I, played him a couple of Rocksteady songs and he's like, he just turned to me and he's like, oh, you're a lover, aren't you? Because <laughs> it's just a very smooth and like, you know, it's emotional in a sense. Rocksteady is very relaxing. I'll often play it while I'm cooking. 
and me and my wife both love Rocksteady. I think one other thing which, you know, it's not necessarily something that you could do if you don't have a lot of time. And when I do have time, I love to go bird watching. Like, I love looking for birds. Me and Lee, we go often whenever we could. He was wondering if he said any thoughts or advice. So I think he was asking if we had any advice in regards to when you don't have a lot of time. Do you have any thoughts? Abolish capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, I think that one of the key things for me is really prioritizing rest because when I get enough sleep, even if I've worked a lot, um, because I'm rested, I will still have energy for, for other things. But if I'm not getting enough sleep, then during the day, especially after working, then I really have no energy for, for doing other fun things. So I think that's pretty key for me. Um, and sticking to my, it's like, even though routines take time, it feels like they give me my time back to me. So having routines helps. And I think having those routines also helps me use my time intentionally. Whereas there are other periods of time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just scrolled my phone for three hours. Um, no wonder I feel like I don't have any time. Um, and so it can, it can be a hard balance. Also just getting in time with people where you can. You know, Cecilia and I will often talk on the phone on, on my way home. And that gives us more time to talk. So even though we're about to see each other, ways to connect with people like that um, can often can often be great. Yeah, time's an interesting thing. I'm not going to get into it like philosophically or existentially. Um, John Warren from Rent Strike would probably be better at that than I was. But you know, this idea of time management, which I really don't like that concept. You know, the way we measure a day is 24 hours. The time is going to continue. You can't manage time. It's going to go on. You can't change that. There's going to be 24 hours no matter what you do. You can't manage the time, right? But then my thought is can manage things in your life. There's no point in trying to like battle time because like that's how I used to approach this. And I felt like I was always fighting against time. And it was just like I'm in this battle and I didn't enjoy it. You know, but then I realized like there's a way you can approach it where time can kind of be like almost like an ally instead of like this like boss that, you know, I never have enough time and it's like so demanding, but it can actually become an ally. You know, I go to bed pretty early, kind of like what you mentioned getting rest. Like I like to be in bed by like 830 and I'm up early in the morning. And one of the reasons that is, is I realized throughout the day as time goes on, my brain power or my physical power, it's not going to be the same. So at certain points of time during the day, it's going to be higher and lower. You know, years ago when I found out I had Lyme disease, I made a point to start working out and I was trying to work out after work. It was really difficult because I, I was exhausted from work. I felt like, you know, I had spent all this time giving in my time to somebody else and I didn't want to come home and work out. And that's one of the reasons I started getting up early. Getting up early in the morning, actually, it was a lot easier for me to work out. I, I was actually, I'm more energized in the morning than I am in the afternoon. So it's like that point in time is actually better for me to do the things that I want to do. Sometimes with writing for me, it's not really in the morning. That's more later in the evening. I've tried writing in the morning, but it doesn't go as well as when I do it in, in the evening. And my point here is, if you could figure out at what time 
of the day, things work well for you and try and do them during that time, you're more likely to accomplish them. Dan mentioned liking graffiti and doing graffiti. I know me and Dan talked to email. I know he has kids and he's obviously working a factory job, as he mentioned. So like finding time to do stuff like that might not be easy. But one thing I could say is like, perhaps you can get up, I don't know, a half hour earlier than you do. And I don't do graffiti. I've been around people that do, but I'm assuming you have like a little book that you do your drawing in and your graffiti in. And like, maybe you can just do for a half hour in the morning, like dedicate that time to, you know, practicing graffiti in your sketchbook. And the other thing that's, I will say, this might sound crazy, but if you are working all the time, you're taking care of kids, you know, and you, you have a lot going on, it's going to feel like you don't have time. And this, there's been studies on this and I've experienced this myself that if you schedule something in and you might be saying, I have no time to schedule something in. But if you just schedule something into maybe once a week or even just once a month for now, I promise you, it's going to be helpful. You know, they've done these studies where they take people who are extremely busy and they ask them to schedule in a hobby that they want to do. And it might be like, I want to take piano lessons or I want to uh, spend time in nature, whatever. And they, they, they go out and they might just do this once a week or once a month. And these are people who are extremely busy. I mean, they intentionally chose people for these studies who were working multiple jobs, had kids and whatnot. And putting in that one hour a week or even one hour a month to start, it made them stop feeling like they didn't have time. And it, they actually added to their schedule, right? They added something more. But here's the thing. What you're adding is something that you are deciding to do with that time. It's not like you're at work and the boss is deciding for you, you know, the factory is deciding for you. You know, it's not like you're you're in your car driving to work, right? It's another thing you have to do that. You're actually choosing what to do with your time. So if your time is being consumed by a bunch of things that aren't decided by you, it's going to make you feel like you have no time. And I know it might sound impossible, but try and add something to your schedule where you pick what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I'm thinking back to the, when I opened the factory house. I, w- I remember I was working I was working 47 hours a week at one job, and I was then working another job in the evenings and taking care of my three kids. I had no time. I had no time to do it. And I remember saying to myself, what would this look like if it was easy? And I just thought, well, other people would be helping to like build out the place. That's where I got that idea to like just encourage, invite people in to build this club how they want to build it. And then all this work started getting done. And obviously I was there helping. If I tried to do it on my own, I wouldn't have been able to. Dan mentioned he likes graffiti. You know, I'm thinking of one of my friends who does graffiti here and, you know, he has a kid and he doesn't get, he's home with the kid and he doesn't get to get out much. But what he did was he got together with a couple of friends and they built a graffiti wall on the back of his yard. You know, they just got some wood and, you know, some stakes and put it in. And, you know, he's, he goes outside, hangs out with the kid. He's painting, the kid's playing in the yard. So there's like ways to like, you know, you could say, well, what would this be like if it was easy? Well, if it was easy, I'd walk out the door and just do graffiti in my backyard. And that might not be an option for Dan. But I mean, if you look at things like that, just ask yourself that question. What would this look like if it was easy? And sometimes like the idea is right there. That's awesome. Sort of uh, rethinking your expectations of what it could look like. Well, thank you, Pepe, for your great reflections. It was wonderful talking with you. And 
thank you, Dan and Lindsay, for your great questions and feedback. We really appreciate y'all's contribution and your listening to the podcast and all of your support. I was going to offer some free coffee to the folks who ask questions, but then I realized Lindsay already subscribed to the coffee subscription. So Lindsay, you know, if you have someone that uh, you want to send some free coffee to, I can send it to them in your name. And Dan, if you want some coffee, just reach out through the podcast email. We can make that work for you and I'll send you some coffee and we'll have some additional information about procrastination in our Patreon episode. Thanks for checking out this episode. I hope some of the takeaways about procrastination were useful to you. If there's one thing I can say, it's that I want you to know that procrastination is not cemented into who you are. It's not a core part of your identity. It's a behavior loop. It's just a process of bad habits that you picked up and you can walk away from that. There's tools and tactics like we discussed to help you move through it. And that feeling of stuckness that is so heavy and so draining can be lifted off your shoulders if you take the right steps to do it. So if you have something you're working on or trying to start, I hope you can do it. I hope you get started. If you've been waiting a week or a month or even a year or more like I did, today's the time to start taking the steps forward.